Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Make It Plain. My guest today has a very timely book. It is entitled On treason a citizen's guide to the law my guest the author is a martin luther king jr professor of law at university of california davis school of law where he teaches american constitutional law and english and american legal history he's a graduate of harvard college and yale law school and he is one of the nation's leading authorities on the law of treason. Carlton F.W. Larson is here on Make It Plain. Dr. Larson, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So why now? What motivated you to publish this book uh, in this moment, in this era? Uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, this you know, treason was something I've been interested in for a long time, probably about 25 years now, uh, as a scholarly matter, and I was interested in the history of it, and so I, I wrote my first book about the history of treason law during the American Revolution. Uh, and as a result of that, um, once Donald Trump sort of becoming started becoming politically prominent, I started getting calls from the media asking about questions about treason. Uh, and this was a new thing because I hadn't received those during. Uh, the Obama presidency or the, or the Bush presidency. Uh, and the questions were essentially, did Donald Trump commit treason? Uh, and turned out people had a lot of concerns and questions about his behavior and were curious about what treason was. Uh, and then Trump himself started accusing everybody under the sun uh, of, of treason, including his, mostly his political opponents. Uh, and so I realized that this was a subject that people were now talking about um, a lot. 
uh, but there was a lot of just misinformation floating around out there. And it would be useful to have uh, a, a book for non-lawyers that would sort of lay out the law of treason uh, as clearly uh, and as concisely as possible so that everybody could understand you know, what is treason and what is not. Treason, am I correct, is the only crime spelled out in the Constitution, per se? That's right. It's the only crime that actually has a definition directly in the, in the Constitution, and that's in Article 3, and so treason is limited uh, to levying war against the United States or adhering to its enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Okay, okay. So you have found and you believe that Donald Trump has committed treason or is currently committing treason? Neither, neither one. Um, I think Donald Trump has done a lot of exceptionally bad things, and he has uh, certainly betrayed the country, I think, in, in many ways. But nothing that I've seen uh, actually meets the constitutional definition of treason. Okay. But is, is there, and as you mentioned, he's done a lot of questionable things, and he's projected treason on a lot of people. In that... Uh, the definition is laid out in the Constitution. Um, are there lesser crimes which fall under treason for which he should be held accountable? I mean, there's first degree murder. There's third degree murder. Is there first degree treason versus third degree <laughs> treason, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and when you know, I say something isn't treason, that doesn't mean it's okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's not a crime. It just means that it can't be prosecuted uh, under that particular heading. And so there's there's a lot of crimes out there that cover disloyalty. Uh, I mean, the typical one is, is espionage. Uh, you know, if you think about the Rosenbergs, they're executed for passing nuclear secrets to the Soviet Union. That wasn't technically a treason case, um, but it was a very serious, you know, uh, problem of national security and uh, breach of loyalty. So there are a whole bunch of crimes <clears throat> that potentially, you know, um, one could look at uh, with respect to uh, Donald Trump. It's just that treason wouldn't be one of them. So, so do you have a sense of what some of those crimes might be? Have 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 you looked at those? Well, I mean, one of the things one one can look at is is the Mueller report. Um, where there's, there's pretty what seems to me to be pretty clear evidence of obstruction of justice. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to you know necessarily squarely say that, <clears throat> that you know that, that, a, that a particular person committed a particular crime without actually having seen uh, the evidence upon which that claim would rest. And so, uh, part of the problem is we don't know for sure, you know, what exactly Donald Trump has done. We don't know what conversations he's had. We don't know um, what exactly was done with his financial entanglements. We don't know. Uh, what the taxes situ situation is. Um, but, you know, if I were Donald Trump and I were contemplating leave, leave, leaving office, I would be worried, um, mm -hmm. you know, that there might be possible criminal liability based either on what he you know did in office or uh, what he did prior to becoming president. So you don't want to accuse anyone of a crime without seeing evidence. Kind of like people are saying, don't accuse every state of election fraud without evidence, right? It's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I would say the same thing to Donald Trump. You know, you don't go around accusing people of treason, um, you know, with, without evidence either. Right. Yeah. No, that's important. Well, this is interesting. Let, let's talk a little bit about, because you obviously delve 
into the history of, of treason as well. Um, there's a, as you, as I'm sure you're aware, there's a very popular, and I love it, very popular new series on Showtime about John Brown, uh, the good Lord Bird. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I haven't seen it yet. No, I don't get Showtime, but I'm eager to watch it. Yeah, no, it, it's very interesting. And it's it's sort of a, a, a comedy, sort of a dark comedy, too. Um, but there's obviously renewed interest in John Brown. So your book is also timely in that regard. He was executed for treason, correct? Yes. So he was actually prosecuted for treason against the state of Virginia. Uh, he'd assembled his men in Maryland and then um, crossed the... Um, uh, the, the river uh, into what was then the state of West Virginia, uh, so, sorry, then the state of Virginia, which is now uh, Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Uh, and the state of Virginia charged him with levying war against the state of Virginia. And this is one of those pockets of treason law that isn't often very well understood, but uh, states can prosecute treason as well as the federal government, uh, at least with respect to levying war cases. So if you try to overthrow a state government by armed force, um, there's a good chance you could be subject to a state uh, treason prosecution. And Brown uh, was one of two people, along with his um, one of his co-fighters, Edwin Kovic, who was actually executed um, for that crime. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as what happened subsequently, the Civil War, um, should uh, members of the Confederacy um, have been tried or charged with treason? That was a, a, a tough decision because if you think about it, essentially every person fighting in the Confederate army or anyone who gave them support had committed treason against the United States. Uh, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. And so the likelihood of trying all of them and in theory, you know, imprisoning them or even executing them, uh, you're just not going to, you're just not going to end a civil war with that kind of a, a bloodbath. Um, so the real issue is whether, you know, you should take a few handful of top people uh, and sort of make an example of them. Uh, so Robert E. Lee, uh, he's probably saved by um, General Grant at Appomattox. Uh, Grant granted, granted very generous surrender terms that probably precluded a, a treason prosecution. Uh, and so clearly the, the prime target really would have been Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy. And he was someone who actually was indicted uh, for treason. Mm -hmm. But ultimately escaped. Uh, President Johnson gave him a pardon uh, after an adverse legal ruling from Chief Justice Salmon Chase. Uh, and so it's unclear whether he would have ultimately been convicted or not. There were problems. You know, it would have been a Virginia jury. Would they have been willing to convict him? Uh, and so ultimately no person was convicted uh, for treason as a result of the Civil War. Uh, it's, it's actually interesting that America was actually kind of founded, wasn't it, um, on a treasonous act or via, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a treasonous act, was it not? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the American Revolution is an act of treason against Great Britain. I mean, there's no question under English law that um, the leaders of the revolution were levying war against the king, which was treason under English law. It is, is there any irony then, I guess, in what's written in the Constitution with regards to treason? Um, well, in some ways you might say here you had people who committed treason themselves writing a provision about treason, and that can seem perhaps a little odd. Um, on the other hand, I think it, you know, it wasn't just the war itself, but it was what led up to it, and that was a lot of protests over British policies, protests over British taxes, 
And the colonists were accused by British officials of committing treason and were threatened with being hauled to England and tried for treason there where they wouldn't have the protections of a local jury. And so they worried a lot. Uh, about treason being abused by government, that this is one of those crimes when a government is sort of out of control. You know, innocent people really are going to suffer. And so I think the treason clause was meant to prevent uh, the type of abuses that they actually saw as potentially happening um, that to themselves during uh, the period leading up to the revolution. So prosecutions for treason have been somewhat rare, have they not? Extremely rare. Um, in our, in our since the Constitution was adopted, I, I would guess there's probably fewer than 50 cases um, that have actually been prosecuted. It's not totally clear because we don't have um, precise numbers because there may be things lurking in records that have been overlooked. Uh, but in the since the early 1950s, there's only been one indictment, and that was uh, Adam Gadan, who was indicted in 2006 uh, for serving as an Al Qaeda spokesperson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Does that add up for you that there have been so few? Should there, have you found that there were cases um, eligible for treason charges that should have taken place? Have there been too few or too many? Well, I mean, I suppose you could say if, if there were a lot more, I could make you make some money on the side doing treason law. But I just tell you, that's 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 a field that, you know, really just doesn't generate a lot of uh a lot of outside consulting business. Um, but no, actually, I think that this shows that the thing is, is, is working correctly. Uh, you know, if we lived in a world where people were being prosecuted for treason all the time, um, that would be actually quite worrisome. Uh, I do think there's a handful of cases where we probably could have brought a treason charge, probably most notably the Oklahoma City uh, bombers, mm. uh, I think, did levy war against the United States. Uh, the problem there with the treason also requires two witnesses to the same overt act, and that's you know, written into the Constitution. And so you would have had to find two people who saw the Oklahoma City you know, bombers do that, and that would have been tricky. Um, so I think that's, you know, often what happens is prosecutors will take a look at this, conclude that it's just too difficult given that two witness requirement, but they've got a ton of other charges. So, I mean, the Oklahoma City people were, were put away for a very long time. Uh, and you know, and that's almost always going to be the case with um, some of these treason charges. That it's hard to commit treason without also committing a bunch of other crimes along the way. Um, you mentioned the treason law field. You're a law professor. Is that even is treason law even regularly taught in law school? No, it's not. I don't even teach it. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I mention it a little bit to my students, but I, I mean, I suppose I could try to offer a course on it. But it strikes me as it's too self-indulgent. It's not something they're really likely to need in actual practice. So I should probably spend my time teaching something else. But I don't know. I mean, I think it might be popular under the circumstances for the same reason you were getting all these phone calls about treason. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it would be a fun class. I would love to do it. I just have to persuade my deans that that's uh, worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you said, you don't believe the evidence necessarily exists to charge Donald Trump with with treason directly. But, you know, he has come close to the threshold. Do you have any thoughts about the the pending legal cases that are facing him? There's a lot of conversation about how many cases there are um, once he leaves office. Do you have any? And those aren't about treason either. 
But yeah. when you look yeah. at it cumulatively, it looks pretty bad. Yeah, but I think he's he's going to be you know uh, spending a lot of money on lawyers uh, when he leaves office, and I hope those lawyers take the money up front because we know one thing he does he never pays his bills, and uh, you know I would I would be very reluctant to defend uh, represent Donald Trump without a, a big fat payment uh, right up front because I think he's got he's got serious tax problems he's got potential state criminal liability in. Uh, New York. He's got uh, you know, a whole host of civil suits um, that are floating around out there, including uh, you know sexual assault suits and um, like a libel suit. And so uh, he's he's going to be busy. Yeah, yeah. You, but let's go back for a minute because I know you teach English as well. Treason. Let's define that because that's the crime. But to me, the adjective can be even more, it can have a broader definition, treasonous behavior, so to speak. Am I wrong about that? No, that's certainly true. People sort of use the term in a both a legal sense and in a colloquial sense. And I think the term traitor is often used much more broadly uh, colloquially. I mean, you might refer to a you know, business partner who leaves you for a competitor. You might refer to them as a traitor or a mm-hmm. cheating spouse. You might refer to as a traitor or, you know, the sports star goes to the other team, you'd say they're a traitor. Uh, so people sort of just use it as a generic term for uh, betrayal. Um, where it gets tricky is when we're talking about these types of national betrayal. Uh, and, you know, it can often be a lot of imprecision uh, in terms of whether they're just talking about sort of someone who sort of undermined the country more generally or someone who actually committed, you know, this very, very serious crime. That's very interesting. Because when we think about it, I think it is easy to throw the colloquialism around, as many have done. And and let's face it, he, as you said, he's done it uh, himself. Has your book uh, been helpful in answering some of the questions you've gotten on those phone calls? Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, and um, I think you know, if, if people um, read the book, they'll they'll have a you know a much better sense of what is treason and what is not. Uh, and now the, I mean, the law is complicated. There's, there's no question about that. But uh, the book does try to sort of explain, you know, where the complications are, what are the sort of the easy cases, what are the harder cases, and what are the areas where, you know, there really is some legal gray area uh, where you could imagine a court going either way. Um, and that's important because a lot of times these things just aren't clear cut. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And, and then the real difficulty is figuring out, well, what are the easy cases and what are the, the hard cases? You I understand, and congratulations on the high honor of being a Martin Luther King Jr. scholar. There were those in his day who considered him a traitor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, this is one of those charges that uh, you know people protesting against government are routinely tarred with um, throughout our history, and, and those charges are almost always wrong. Uh, you know, so that's one one of the reasons we have to be very careful with this is that we think about all the ways in which this has been abused in the past. Uh, you know, we don't want to repeat uh, those mistakes again. Yeah. Um, lastly, you mentioned some of the other things, like for example, espionage, um, the Mueller report. Um, do uh, um, and I know you said you haven't seen all of the evidence, um, but. Might there have been um, a strong case to have been made um, 
that Donald Trump may have been working even with another government, uh, Russia, in the, in a sense, uh, in this instance, um, to undermine the federal government. In other words, do you think the Mueller report went far enough? Did you look at that and see it as um, somehow being hampered, uh, as some felt it was, that it didn't really go to its full completion? What were your thoughts about that? So, I mean, there's sort of two parts to the Mueller report, the first part dealing with the Russia connections, and then the second part dealing with obstruction of justice. Uh, I didn't see anything in part one of the report that really creates an explicit link between Trump himself and Russia. Now, it, it does draw connections between many of his associates, people who worked on his campaign, who were clearly in touch with Russia. But remember, part two is about obstruction of justice, meaning that Trump did things to impede the Mueller report and make it harder for them to gather information. Um, so that doesn't mean that there isn't such information. It means that they weren't able to find it. Um, and it's possible that such information will come out. Uh, now, is Donald Trump an, like an active Russian agent? My guess is, is no. Um, my guess is that Russia views him more as sort of a useful idiot uh, as a person who can be manipulated into doing things that are beneficial to them. Um, and for some reason, he does seem to have this infatuation with Putin that is really inexplicable. Uh, so there may be something there. Maybe they have intelligence dirt on him. Maybe they have, uh, you know, some financial hook on him. Uh, it's hard to know, but I would just be completely speculating. I mean, I really have no factual basis uh, for that. And so it's just all we can say is that there's sort of some odd behavior. And uh, it would be very interesting to know what's really going on. So your phone was ringing on treason. Are you also getting phone calls about the peaceful transfer of power and transition according to the Constitution? <laughs> um, so far, not. Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will all go smoothly. Um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I've had a couple of discussions on that myself. And it says 12 o'clock. On January 20th, it's pretty yeah. ironclad, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carlton F. W. Larson's book is entitled On Treason, A Citizen's Guide to the Law. And let me just emphasize, he's a law professor, but this is not a an academic law or law school book, correct? This is for the layperson like us, right? That's right, exactly. This is meant for someone who has, yeah. you know, no no training in law, but is just kind of interested in it. And I think it has, you know, it has a lot of stories that can help put all this law in uh, in context. Yeah, so it, it's very helpful and informative uh, in that regard. Congratulations on the book, Professor Larson. Well, thank you. All right, thank you for being here. Thank you, very much enjoyed it. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.